This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. We must be cautious. That's enough, Osborne. Hello, and welcome to Beltway Banthas, a Star Wars podcast live from the hive of scum and villainy in our very own galaxy, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Stephen Kent. I'm your host, Swara Saleh. And today we're doing an interview episode with John Lovett of Crooked Media and Pod Save America. Swara, this is a pretty exciting day, I know, for you. This has been a long time coming for an interview subject. And you can't forget to mention his very own and brilliant podcast, Love It or Leave It. And yes, this has been a day long in the making. I met John Lovett uh, about a year ago at a campaign event for Tom Perriello. And uh, he's a fantastic guy. And I have been had been already started listening to the Pod Save America bros for several months yeah, at that yeah. point. And they are personal heroes of mine. I love everything that Crooked Media is doing. I'm sure that maybe some new listeners tuning in as well, you've come to hear love it on this weird thing a star wars and politics podcast well we had a fantastic conversation with him that we're very excited for you all to hear it's true and if you are a first-time listener we're beltway bantha is a star wars and politics podcast um there's not many of them out there in fact i don't think there is another one on a weekly basis we are merging star wars and politics we're looking at the politics of the movies the comic books the books um and really sort of trying to parse out the in-universe stuff and then we're also talking to people who work in politics and media about their life as star wars fans and how it has impacted their views on the world that we live in today Uh, we sort of jump back between those two themes on a weekly basis so we hope you stay with us and uh, and join us in the journey of the show we've gone going for about two years now um, and it is just uh, picking up momentum every day but suara i just have to i have to say right off the bat i mean we're right now we're both snowed in or at least i am i don't know about uh, you and dc i'm right outside of washington dc i do the commuter lifestyle thing so i live kind of out in the woods of manassas virginia and the snow is getting tall yeah i live in uh arlington like right outside of dc but i have to commute to baltimore uh a couple of times a week and i wasn't able to today to johns hopkins because campus got closed they everyone has a snow day today it's really crazy and you can't possibly be climate change right Stephen? because that doesn't exist because global warming only makes things warm it doesn't actually change the weather in weird ways if it's not getting warmer then there's nothing wrong right <laughs> obviously i hope you can detect the sarcasm in my voice listeners if you didn't know oh, suara suara is the the resident democrat shill for beltway Panthers, oh and I, I anchor i anchor the right but no i mean it, it, i mean so so tell me just based off your overview of this i mean is it normal to be getting six inches of snow right up on the the beginning of april yeah it's not normal at all i mean obviously you have some modulation of temperature during the month of march it's actually my least favorite month for that reason you don't know what to expect but to get a snowstorm right on the first day of spring no that's weird that's whack there's something really weird going on with the weather and it's oh, it sorry, you might remember the uh you might remember the congressman rolling up the snowball on the on the on the house floor in washington oh, and right now i'm dear. rolling i'm rolling up a snowball on the uh, other end of the microphone. 
to throw at you uh-huh. just for fun, of, just for kicks. Of course but I mean, what are. is this going to do to the cherry blossoms? I mean, the cherry blossoms ceremony is supposed to happen this weekend in Washington. It's one of the, uh, the biggest and most photographed events for people's weddings and all of their anniversaries. They come to Washington to take pictures with all the beautiful trees. I cannot imagine that that is going to be a thing this Sunday. Those flowers are dead. I mean, that's way to way to go, Congress. Way to go for lack of action. Yeah, look at. I mean, I, I think I think done. it's. I, I don't think Congress is is killing the flowers. I think you could maybe look at, you know, the entire global community. Yeah, of course, the but we're States. at the head of this. The United, you know? States, so, is, yeah. the United States is not the center yeah. of the universe. All right, Suar, but there is a lot more going on in town this weekend that is going to actually cause some troubles for the cherry blossoms. Anyways, it already got moved from Saturday to Sunday uh, because of a big political march that's going on in town. Yeah, Tell us a it's the bit march for our lives. Uh, students since the Park, students and teenagers since the Parkland shooting have been organizing and mobilizing a gun control movement, and it's been making a lot of headway in the news and in our social media, and now it's going to be a march, just like the Women's March, which had thousands and thousands of people attend. This could potentially have the same uh, numbers, and I'm really excited for it. I'm going to be marching myself, and I know that our guest, John Lovett, and the Pod Save America uh, co- uh, co-host will also be here in D.C. And I'm super looking forward. Yeah, um, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a pretty big act of civic engagement. I I am one who I like to see young people engaged in politics. I think that is incredibly important. Um, you just gotta color me skeptical about emotional political movements like this um, that are driven by sort of leftist coalitions that that very rarely are able to actually stay on a single coherent message. I'm kind of reminded of the walkouts earlier this week, and I remember this picture from the Washington, D.C. walkouts of three students, one with a ban AAR-15 sign, one with a we demand reparations sign, and then one <laughs> with a demilitarize the police sign. And I think that that's pretty part and parcel of democratic politics and sort of these big events where you get everybody together and it just becomes about individuals' pet issues and less about actually driving forward something coherent, whether it be to state lawmakers or national lawmakers that can be done. Um, so I'm, I'm skeptical, but I do love to see young people engaged. Uh, I hate the stigmatization of young people getting involved in politics. Um, we need more of that, not less. Absolutely. That's something, you know, you and I disagree on a lot, but this is one aspect we definitely agree on. You're never too young to get involved, to understand about the issues, to understand the issues, to call your congressmen, your senators, and organize and really advocate passionately for what you believe in, no matter what side of the political aisle you're on. And, you know, like my position on this, I'm always been an advocate for gun control. So I'm very happy to be marching along the students, the adults and everyone else that will be there. And I'm really excited for it. And I hope some action happens on this issue. Yeah, it'll be an interesting display. And that brings us to our interview with the man himself, John Lovett. He is a former uh, speechwriter for the Obama administration. He is a 
producer and co-writer for season three of The Newsroom, a series developed by the West Wing's Aaron Sorkin. And he is one of the founders of Crooked Media and one of the co-hosts of Pod Save America and the host of the podcast Love It or Leave It, and all in which he discusses political news. He gives his signature take on it, makes a really humorous uh, view of what's going on. And you should check out these podcasts if you're not already. They're my favorite podcasts. And I, for me personally, as someone on the left, they offer me a lot of catharsis for some a lot of the craziness that's happening and yeah exactly yeah, for a lot of the craziness and this current uh, age of trump yeah well it's going to be great to hear from john lovett about his fandom of star wars we're going to talk about some of the politics of the movies his impressions uh, and favorite movies as well and also what he might or might not want from a political star wars uh, installment in the franchise. This is going to be great. John Lovett is someone who has made talk radio cool again for the left, which has like never really been done at mass until this moment. So here we are. Let's go to John Lovett. So we have a very special guest with us today, John Lovett. Thank you so, so much for joining us. It's an honor to have you. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Uh, so I've noticed before a lot how Star Wars comes up in your podcasts, on your Twitter. And I actually met you at a campaign event where we discussed Star Wars and the rest is history of how you got here. So with our guests, we like to ask uh, how you got into fandom. I actually did not know anything about Star Wars, hadn't seen any of the Star Wars films until the re-release of the original films before the prequels came out. And it was like a big deal. And Syosset, Long Island, had one last big movie theater left. It had, uh, I think it's now an Equinox gym, but it had, it, it, there was one last big standalone movie theater, I believe on Jericho Turnpike. And uh, my friend uh, Michael and I and his dad uh, would see movies and we went and saw uh, we would wait. We waited in line, and we saw the original three movies, which I'd never seen before, and really didn't know anything about. Uh, and then I saw them then, uh, and then uh, I think I became a fan then. Um, then obviously saw the prequels, uh, and slowly crawled back from that experience. And uh, but uh, so I think I've loved them ever since, and it was a cool way to see them because it was the first time I saw them i saw them right in a row and i saw them in a big crowded theater with a lot of fans that's such a refresher to hear because you don't often get the uh the 90s version of the story of the fan it seems like when you we interview <laughs> most people you know it's it's yeah, i was there in the theater in 1977 with my dad and it was the greatest experience ever um you know is that something that sort of I, you think like actually impacts the kind of fandom that you have like maybe it doesn't make you super loyalist to the way that it was when it first came out in the 70s because you mentioned that you didn't really have a good experience with the prequels yeah i mean there was a, somebody wrote this article <laughs> i'd have to go find it but uh it said that basically true star wars fans hate star wars uh and that you have to you have to it's that that what you love is like the promise of the movies but not what you ever actually got um uh, though I do think that's changing now, but but yeah, I mean, like you know, uh, the prequels, man. What didn't a, do it for you. <laughs> what a not show. a band of trade wars going on in there. But uh, no, no. Although you know, I think the third one, the uh, the the uh, episode three has its moments, and uh, 
you know, you could see that there, there, you know, there was almost, there was something there. There was something there. But um, that was tough. But yeah, you know, I love Empire Strikes Back. I still think that is the best of the movies. I really, I actually loved um, Rogue One. I think Rogue One is awesome. Um, and I, and I think, Ro- and I think Rogue One uh, um, is, what I really loved about Rogue One is you saw, you got to see people who were not in the middle of the story uh, and for whom the force and these larger than life figures are more like myths or legends. And you saw the way that, uh, that, that, that the faith in this, in the force was, was something that gave people, um, kind of religious fervor and strength. And you saw people who were bearing the price of, of a war that in the past you saw play out almost as a family drama. Um, you know, I, I just, I thought that moment when they all jump off, they jump off the ship and they say for Jetta was really cool, um, her saying, you know, it doesn't matter what flag flies if you don't look up. Uh, the way that the force plays out in a few of the final moments of the movie with, uh, uh, you know, the characters kind of, you know, sacrificing themselves for this cause, uh, I found really moving. And mm. um, it's it's one of the few movies where you see people emotionally feeling the pain of this endless conflict that they've all been going through. Of living under occupation, of insurgency, of the of the way it changed people. Yeah. So we actually had a previous episode right after the 2016 election about the inspiration a lot of Star Wars fans were taking from Rogue One. I had just attended the Women's March where I had seen so many pictures of Leia Organa, Carrie Fisher, and having uh, themselves inspired by the Star Wars Resistance, and in a way. I think in a lot of ways, the real life resistance might have actually named itself after. So how do you think Star Wars made, especially recently, has been informing American politics? Has the uh, Star Wars resistance uh, inspired the resistance of the left? What are your thoughts on that? I don't know if I would say anything was inspired in one direction or the other. I think the, the, the most I'd say is that I definitely think I was more emotional watching Rogue One because of what was going on in our politics. And I think it's natural for people to kind of whatever, take figures, take characters, take take ideas from these movies and kind of have fun with it because they're making it part of the protest. But I don't know that I would go further than that. I do think, well, so when does when did Rogue One come out? It came out in 2016, I believe, like right around the time was of the it? election or right after. Yeah, 2016. Yeah, December. I feel like, yeah, it was it December? Yeah, it was December. So it was after the election. Yeah. So I, re- yeah, I just, um, it definitely felt more resonant because of that. Um, and I probably think I liked it more because our politics felt so emotional and so um, alien to us in that moment, right? I think you know, I, I think a lot of things. There's a lot of things that were named in November in December of 2016 that have this high dudgeon quality because we all were like, you know, going to the barricades. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I definitely was really moved by Rogue One, I think because I, you know, I was still in a state of disbelief as to what was happening. And it was interesting to watch these characters who were 
facing a far, <laughs> a far more dramatic opposition, obviously. Uh, but to see them feel defeated, to see them feel downtrodden and then fight their way back and ultimately do what they could, uh, it definitely, you know, it, I think it, it resonated more for that reason. Do I think that, do I think that people are drawing from the movies and how they think about resistance? Probably, right? You can't help but can't help but draw from these kind of allegories. If anything, though, really, what people are drawing from are kind of the classic stories and the class, the classic myths that uh, that that are the, you know, the 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 that that are what undergird the Star Wars universe to begin with, right? It's these classic tropes put in space. And I think about these, these, you know, the inspirations in Rogue One, and I think that the line that stands out the most is, you know, when Jen is saying to Saw Gerrera, you know, it's not a problem if I don't look up um, at Imperial yeah. flags, and it, it sort of speaks to that that jaded nature, you know, the the idea of just being defeated. And even though Saw Gerrera is a, a kind of a questionable character at times, you know, he has to remind her, um, you know, that the 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 boot of the oppressor will always be there. Um, whether or not she acknowledges it or not. And then there was that guy in the New York Times this past week who was profiled for going off the grid in the Trump era um, to just not consume any sort of news. And I, I can't I stand that guy. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know what? Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy going off just from like, I don't read the news anymore. And, and my, my barista knows not to reference politics when I get my coffee. Shut the fuck up. Go away. Good. You know what? Right back at you. I don't want updates from you, and you won't get updates from us. Deal. <laughs> Thanks. Nice to read about you. You should have. You should have given us the benefit that you've that you've taken from all of this, and and uh, you know you get it. Anyway, movie Rogue One. Yeah, I mean that's why I think Rogue One's the most adult to me. Uh, you have this idea of is it you know who ca- you know can I just do my own thing? Ignore what's going on. Uh, in the resist, you know, in the in the in politics, take myself out of it. Just do what I can to protect myself, make the money, do my job, whatever, and not pay attention. Uh, and and I think if the movie the movie is you know it's not perfect. I don't think the movie does a really good job of explaining why she switches. You know, she goes from not looking up at the flag to kind of organizing a uh, <laughs> an illicit uh, act of resistance. But whatever uh i i like that i like this to see those things side by side uh then the second thing is you see uh what's the uh the uh the uh other i'm forgetting the character's name but uh uh he shoots first at the beginning of the movie what's his name in this movie uh yeah yeah uh well is he what's his just i want to make sure i'm not saying the 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 other main character (laughs) yeah yeah cassie andor uh yeah, I don't remember. You know, I, I'll be honest. I just can't. I can't retain the names. Maybe it's because I'm, I don't know. Maybe you turn you turn you you turn thirty five and you just stop retaining names. But like the uh, uh, year, you're uh, forgiven. Uh, yes, uh, there's just so many now. But um, I like also, you know, him grappling with the things he's done in the name of this good cause. Uh, I think that's another sort of adult theme that sort of transcends what previous movies have done. And then the third thing is. A lot of the conflict in the movie is not uh, empire versus rebels or empire versus resistance. It's the debate inside of 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 um, the republic, right? The remainder of the republic, as to how 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 uh, how extreme we're supposed to be, right? It's very clear that you know Guerrera is a is an insurgent who believes in uh, you know 
ter- basically terrorist tactics because of how desperate the situation is uh, and is a real radical and the the others aren't aren't on the same page and that's that's caused strife between them uh, which is I, again an, an idea that had not been in previous Star Wars movies uh, or ones that came after so that that to me is why I think Rogue One Rogue One is 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 one of my favorites of the of the series. I actually think, you know, what you pointed at right there speaks to some of the debates that we've been having on the left in the past, like, year and a half or two years. And I'm wondering, you know, this may be a bit of a stretch, but it's something that we've discussed, whether Saw Guerrera is sort of like a Bernie Sanders type figure and the <laughs> okay. leaders of the rebellion are like Hillary Clinton. What's your thoughts on that? <laughs> I think that's too easy. Um I th- I don't I don't I think that that that's you can always do that right you can even do, you can do that in Black Panther right you can make uh, Killmonger Bernie Sanders if you want you know you can always if you want in any in any story you can call the more extreme element the more the the, the Bernie versus the more establishment element as the Hillary Clinton I don't know how much insight you get in this one case uh, uh, but um, and and you know it's funny the movie ultimately doesn't. It's again another sort of problem in the movie. It never actually, you know, it has this conflict, but it resolves the conflict by basically just killing a bunch of people. Uh, uh, and you never actually, there's no upshot to it, right? Basically, the debate is ended just because he's killed. And all that's left are the people on the one side of the debate. You actually never see any kind of representation of the whatever radical fringe. Except for that, you know, the bombing at the the, the the bombing and the bit of conflict at the beginning. But once they, once the, you know, whatever, the 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 nascent the, uh, the 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 baby Death Star is put into use, um, you just never deal with that conflict again. But yeah, I don't know that I would go. So I'm not I'm not gonna view it as that kind of a thing. Yeah, you know, you can always make that comparison if you have a more radical and then a less radical side. But to me, it was much more about. Um, the nature of you know fighting back against it spoke it spoke more to me about you know it's more of a metaphor for Iraq or something than I than I took it as a metaphor for domestic politics. Yeah, I don't I, you know even I swear I don't I don't know if I get on the Bernie Sanders right. I think that's like a real insult to Bernie Sanders to compare. Him yeah. to <laughs> you know, I, I mean, mean a lot a lot you know, of people love think about bodies like Antifa you know that are playing outside of the political boundaries and they're not really engaging in liberal democracy anymore. Like that's. I mean, that's kind of where it seems like Sagar era is to me. Um, you know, he's he's engaging in you know all sorts of political violence, and he's not really accepting sort of like the neoliberal version of the republic that Mon Mothma wants to pursue. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. I guess I would say it's actually hard to really get into it because it's, again, not a perfect movie, and the Saul Guerrero character is pretty thin. Um there was not enough of an economy of characters in that movie and so you he's gone before you've really gotten to know him at all and a lot of what you do know about him is just sort of backstory that they tell each other because you know what happens when two people that have known each other for a long time when they get together they tell each other their life stories you sit down across from your person you haven't seen in a long time and you say remember when you left and you and then you respond i know but it was because of this that's the way people talk so I actually am curious. Where would <laughs> I just mentioned Bernie and Hillary? Where would you place Trump in the Star Wars universe? What would you say Trump is, and how do you think Trump sees himself in Star Wars? 
Uh, I don't believe he has the attention span to have sat through any of those movies. Uh, he never seems to reference them. Um, I think that Van Damme movies are the extent of his concentration. Uh, you know, again, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to make these comparisons because obviously the the world of Star Wars is such a, a kind of mythic one and everything is so simple, right? I mean, it's very simple. That's what, again, some of the later movies have been better for it, but, but it is just sort of a simple story of good versus evil. I mean, you know, you might have to go back to the prequels to find a better analogy, right? The kind of feckless and pathetic um, uh, uh, imperial senate or whatever uh, failing to stand up, right? You have, like, Jar Jar Binks. Doesn't Jar Jar, isn't Jar Jar who introduces the... Uh, the um, the bill that that gives uh, the emperor too much power. So I guess maybe you'd say that like Paul Ryan is the Jar Jar Binks yes. of Congress. Um, beyond that, I don't know if there's a Trump-like figure because the the villains in Star Wars are so much more methodical uh, yep. and um, strategic. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's yeah, almost maybe <laughs> he's more like a Darth Jar Jar. I, well, I yeah, I think I think I was just going forward like you know Trump would probably just be the uh, the wrench that Anakin dropped inside of his pod racer in Episode One and then <laughs> fish it out. There's there's I'm the Donald Trump. Out. <laughs> I think it's there just there's just basically it's um it's the that's the problem that's what makes everything so frustrating right now is we've gotten beaten by a bunch of Jar Jars. It's just Jar Jars all the way down. Yeah. Well, John, where do you stand on The Last Jedi? This was the most recent Star Wars movie we've got. We've got Han Solo, uh, a Star Wars story coming out here in, in miraculously like a month or something. Um, what did you think about the last installment of Star Wars? Did it give you hope or uh, are you on the other side of that debate? Uh, I So I saw it twice. And so I saw it twice. And the first time I saw it, I walked out and I really was on the fence about it. And I think... I I was caught off guard by the first few minutes when there's that kind of <laughs> when there's that conference call joke over the in, over the radio and I just I just it it I got skeptical. And so the first time I saw it I watched it with a really skeptical eye which I think was unfortunate. And this and it and I think I think that the first time I saw it the parts that bothered me made it hard for me to appreciate a lot of the movie which I really really loved and the second but then I saw it a second time and I had a much better experience and I really really liked it um I had I think I had to see it a second time to see it without expectations because now now I knew what I was in for uh and um it has some of some phenomenal scenes and it has a lot of really great moments in it I think anytime uh Adam Driver is on screen. I think he's, I think he is the greatest new character to be added uh, to the series since Lando, I think you'd have to say. And uh, I really liked what happened with that character in this, in this movie. Um, I think that fight scene with um, Ray and uh, um, again, I'm like, no, nope. I'm, and, and yes, it's Snoke. Although, man, you, Snoke again. Snoke getting the Saul Guerrero treatment just 
here he is. Oh no, <laughs> here he is. And there he goes. Uh, but I did. I, <laughs> goodbye Snoke. Um, so, but, 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 uh, I really liked it. I liked it. I think it's, uh, it's bad. You know, I think that if obviously nobody knew, you know, it's, it's hard to see Carrie Fisher in the movie. It's sad. Um, she does get a really great moment. I really do like the weird force moment that she gets. However, you have, um, Laura Dern, uh, in this movie who basically is there so that Carrie Fisher's character, so that Leia can live, right? She's basically in the movie so that Leia can live. And then, and, and it meant that this, the Laura Dern character is really kind of underdeveloped. Everything that Laura Dern's character could have done, Carrie Fisher's character could have done. And then the movie would have ended with this incredible scene. Um, but, but of course they thought they were going to, you know, Carrie Fisher, Leia was supposed to have this great turn in the next film, which is just sad and unfortunate, but, but that's the reality of what happened. I will always have a problem with the idea that it turns out any ship that can travel faster than the speed of light is a weapon that can destroy a huge number of Imperial ships with the press of a button because why has nobody used that before? I know it makes me, it's silly, but like, I was like, wait a second, wait a second. If you can just use your, give any little ship can just jump to light speed and destroy any ship in its wake and every ship around it because it causes this huge conflagration. Why have we not used that before? I've watched my, my rebel friends beat into a pulp. I've watched them get smashed to smithereens and nobody's ever suggested that before. So that did annoy me. I won't lie that that annoyed me. It annoyed me at the time, though the movie is beautiful. It has some of the best shots in all of Star Wars. Uh, I, I, I really liked it. I do think that Ray, it's, um, it is frustrating to me that, that her version of doing the wrong thing in this film is looking in a hole. <laughs> Just like, you can't, you'll never, you'll never, you'll never be what you're supposed to be. Why not? You looked in that hole. <laughs> it's like, well, that's all she just looked at. You told her, you basically said there's this, you know, give her a break. She didn't do anything wrong. She just looked in a hole. But um, anyway, those are some uh, loose, loose thoughts on The Last Jedi. But on the whole, on the whole, I did really like it. That's awesome I to hear. I'm so happy to hear that. It's actually my favorite film of all time. And I know it's been divisive. Yeah, seriously. Like, but uh, yeah, it's just, I'm really happy you think that way. So we're uh, nearing the end of our time here, but I want to ask you, um, so you were one of the uh, co-producers and co-writers of season three of The Newsroom. You worked with the great Mm -hmm. Aaron Sorkin. And there have been a lot of Star Wars fans, uh, me and Steven included, who have been clamoring for a Star Wars West Wing on galactic politics. We can see what happened in the Remta Clone Wars and or see what happened during the New Republic. And what would, what do you think of that idea? What would you like to see in Star <laughs> Wars politics explored further? So here's the good news. In the same way that... Uh, superhero movies took over all movies so that now every kind of genre needs to have a superhero version so like we've got captain america to be our superhero war movie and then we've got we've got uh jessica jones and she's like superhero noir and detective stuff and we've got ant-man so we've got a superhero comedy now that disney has star wars you're gonna get 
every kind of Star Wars you want. I think it is inevitable that we're going to get our Star Wars walk and talks. We'll get a political Star Wars of some kind in the same way that Force Awakens is like a cool heist movie. And I'm sorry, not for, uh, uh, Rogue One is a cool heist movie. And um, uh, so so and Last Jedi is more of a kind of a traditional uh, kind of action adventure movie. Like, I think that Star Wars as a universe is big enough now to have every kind of genre and I'm excited for what those will be. Uh, but, uh, would I, you know, am I that invested in the political drama of star Wars? I think to be honest, my answer is no. However, <laughs> but, but do I think it could be cool? Sure. All right. I'm, I'll, I'm in, I'm in. John just threw water on the political star Wars idea. What? Well, here's the thing. I'm I'm a little <laughs> Here's the thing, guys. Uh we have all seen what happens when Star Wars does politics, and I will talk to I will tell you that the Trade Federation, that the minutia, that the, the machinations uh in the Senate, these are not the highlights. We would not call these the high the high points of the of the of of the Star Wars of so, but, but hey, maybe somebody will come up with a really cool thing and, and I'm, and I'll be into it. You know, maybe you got, you know, you got, you got, uh, you know, you got, uh, an election and Padma is up for election and maybe there's a primary, maybe there's gerrymandering on Tatooine. There's lots of, there's lots of options. <laughs> uh, you may canvassing at the, in the cantina. You know, trying to register voters. There's lots of good things we could do. It'd be a dangerous place to canvas, I gotta say. Yeah, yeah. Why not? And actually, uh, if you ever have time to read something purely for fun, because I know that you're reading a lot all the time, I actually want to recommend <laughs> this one Star Wars book. It's actually really good. It's called Bloodline by Claudia Gray. It takes place six years before The Force Awakens, and it explains the political situation going on now, and it's gone really stellar reviews. So I actually think you might enjoy it if you want to try that out. Is it canon? Is it canon? Yeah, or the, is it canon, canon, or is yeah. it... Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Yeah, totally worth it. It's Princess Princess Leia's political career after Return of the Jedi. It's actually actually worth it if you have the time. That's cool. Yeah. All right. John All Lovett, right. Uh, thank you so much for joining Beltway Banthas today and uh, geeking out on Star Wars a little bit with us. I know for folks who are in the political arena and in that battle all the time, it's sometimes a nice, uh, nice break uh, for just a little bit to talk about something else. So thanks again so much for coming well, on Beltway Banthas. I was happy to do it. Thank you guys for having me. This was fun. Yeah, Thank where can so people much. find you online and get connected with more of your work, like find you on Twitter, et cetera? It's just at John Lovett, J-O-N-L-O-V-E-T-T. And then, uh, you know, any of the Crooked Media podcasts, you can go to, we've got Pod Save America, Love It or Leave It. There are many other shows. Subscribe to them all. And, uh, you know, get in the ecosystem, you know, get into, get into the Crooked universe is what I'd say. Yeah. I agree with that. <laughs> Get crooked, swear, <laughs> love it or leave it. Last week, it was fantastic. Um, oh no, I'm right. seeing it. You know, I know I'm seeing this upcoming week. I'm seeing it in DC this Thursday. I'm gonna. Oh, you're coming. That's great. That's gonna be a fun show. You know, it's a Star Trek thing, but we had uh, we had Lavar Burton on, um, and uh, and even though it's a uh, so that was fun, uh, and you know, obviously unrelated, but I imagine the Beltway Banthas and the, you know. Beltway 
Jordy's are. <laughs> it's a thing. Uh, all right. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Don, take care. Wow. I, you know, I've spoken to him yeah. before in person, but I feel like now we were able to get real deep on, you know, something we all love, Star Wars. And wow, that was really amazing. I, it was incredible. I liked when he threw. I liked when he threw water on the idea of a uh, of a political installment in the series or doing sort of a western. Thing. He was like, "Nah, nope." Well, not, that's only not because happening. he saw the prequels, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think, I think maybe if we package the idea in a more formal way, and he knew what to expect and how good it would be, John Lovett would have said yes to the Star Wars politics. Wait, you know what we need to do? We need to pitch to Lucasfilm. We need to get his creds out there. We need to make them realize what a treasure trove this is of TV content and get it on the streaming service. Let's do it. Let's so now we are it. going to be moving on to listener email. Stephen, what have we got in store this week? Yeah, well, in the inbox, we have some responses to episode 52, where Swar and I talked about fascism, communism, Nazism, and more as it pertains to the First Order and the new Star Wars movies. Um, this is a really long email, so I'm just going to pull two short bits from Sean. Uh, he writes, I do feel the need to throw water. Uh, people like that, that saying right now <laughs> on Swara on the idea that President Trump is the first to call for a space force. This idea has mm. been around for a while, going back to the Clinton years, if not earlier so that's a little vague but if i've never been it's never been more than a soundbite due to the reality of cost involved in setting up such a command i think sean might have a, a certain you know point here oh yeah we have another one here from dominic nardi on the nazi germany comparisons in our last episode um he says i saw that you posted a question on twitter about comparing the first order to nazi germany i've actually struggled with this quite a bit in the sequel trilogy there are some signs that jj abrams and others involved in the making of the film saw the First Order as space Nazis. Abrams himself invoked that. Um, however, part of me sees the First Order as more uh, like ISIS or FARC. Um, the First Order at the beginning of The Force Awakens isn't a nation state. It's uh, not a conventional superpower. So he kind of goes on Suara, to, to, to sort of back up your yeah. idea about the First Order um, as really being a very terroristic um, sort of body and a paramilitary 100%. They're a marauding, crusading force across the galaxy or across the Middle East region that tries to impose their ideology on everyone they come across. And they want to impose more specifically a sense of order to a galaxy or, again, region that is in chaos or bereft of the ideology of the empire or the ideology of the caliphate or those uh, things along those lines. And again, I think the First Order is a sort of combination of that those neo-Nazis, but with ISIS, with that sort of, again, that marauding mentality that has resulted in genocide, in ethnic cleansing, in plundering, in abuse of people and women and girls specifically. Not that the First Order necessarily like did those later last things I mentioned, but still, it's just interesting to consider those parallels. Yeah, absolutely. As we appreciate emails from Sean, 
uh, and our listener Dominic on our last episode, episode 52 of Beltway Banthas. You can email us at beltwaybanthas at gmail.com with your thoughts on the politics of Star Wars, politics or Star Wars separately, whatever you would like. We would love to hear from you. We are also on Twitter almost all the time. You can tweet us at Beltway Banthas, and we would love to get a message from you. We kind of talk with people all day about these topics. And you can find me on Twitter at Stephen underscore Kent 89. That's Stephen with a PH underscore Kent 89. Suara, where can people find you and banter? Y'all can find me on Twitter at Suara Saleh1. That's S-W-A-R-A-S-A-L-I-H-1. And like Stephen said, you can find us on Twitter at Beltway Banthas. You know, like come and banter with us there. We're talking politics and Star Wars all the time. Think y'all might enjoy it. <laughs> it's so true. And that brings us to the end of this episode. If you are a first time listener, we really hope you'll give a, a moment to go on to iTunes and give us a couple of stars. Tell us what you think of the episode and of the show. It makes a huge difference in us expanding our audience. And if you liked the show, subscribe. We do this every week. We are always talking about our two great fandoms, Star Wars and politics. Suara and I meet every week from the left and the right to discuss um, our love of Star Wars and how that brings us together and brings so many people um, in the world together when they usually don't have other things in common. That's what it's all about here. Well, we'll be back next week with more. Until then, may the Force be with you. Always.